so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. So this morning, just to remind us where we're at in John's Gospel, we are in Jesus' farewell conversation with His disciples. Uh, and so we, we re-picked up John's Gospel in, in John chapter 14. And, and so far over the last few weeks, we've talked about believing in Jesus, obeying Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit, about loving one another and enduring the world's hate as we enter into Jesus' love. Uh, and, and so that listen to the Holy Spirit was, was one of the things that <clears throat> Jesus told us to do, his disciples to do uh, in this age after his death, resurrection and ascension, that we're to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so in this passage, Jesus gives us more detail about what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our life, uh, what we're listening to. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit who, who is to come in the passage, but we need to remember that this same Holy Spirit has already come for us. We live after the day of Pentecost, and, and so the Holy Spirit is with us and active with us in life. Um, I was thinking about this this message and thinking about the Holy Spirit this week, and this might be a very weak metaphor to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I was thinking the Holy Spirit um, living Christianity, trying to do Christianity uh, without the Holy Spirit, Christianity with the Spirit removed is like decaf coffee. It, it kind of smells and, and maybe it tastes a little bit like the real thing, but the power is completely gone. If you're relying on it to, to awaken uh, yourself in the morning, it, it's, it's dead. Um, I saw someone, I won't name names, but, but said if you switch from, from coffee, a morning coffee, to uh, a green tea, then you'll successfully remove 87% of the joy that's left in your life. Uh, and so um, that might be a different opinion for others. Some people like tea. Some people love their decaf coffee. In fact, someone in my own household has switched to that. But for me... Uh, the decaf is just taking the power out of it. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is trying to, trying to live Christianity without the Holy Spirit is to tr- live a kind of faith removed of all of its power. And so who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, before we jump into the, the what does the Holy Spirit do, I just want to jump into who is the Holy Spirit? I don't want to presume that we we know that. And so to do that, we're going to dive right into the middle of today's passage, into verse 7 of John 16. And so Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Him. And so I just want to pick up on that word, him. Not for gender reasons, that the Holy Spirit is spirit, He's not male or female. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a personal presence. And it's important that we remember that because the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not the force like in Star Wars, that there's this kind of force that no one can really describe what it is, but it's this power that people can wield. The Holy Spirit is not that. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an energy. The Holy Spirit isn't caffeine either, despite using that metaphor. The Holy Spirit is a person. And not just a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And third doesn't mean in hierarchy. Because the Holy Spirit is equally God with the Father and the Son. Fully God. 
That's why Jesus, in his instructions to his disciples, when he said, go and, and make disciples of all nations and baptize them, he said, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This, this person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about in this passage is, is fully divine. Fully God. And so the Father sent the Son in the world to die, to redeem us from our sin, to save the world, to conquer death. And so now Jesus and the Father send the Spirit to continue that mission in us and through us. And so it's Jesus talking about this, that it's better that I go away so that I can send the Advocate to you, is because rather than just being one fully God, fully human presence in one location in the world, the Holy Spirit is now poured out on all flesh that believe in the name of Jesus. And so that's why we see that, that in Jesus' earthly ministry, at the end of that, you could number the, those that were genuine believers in him in the hundreds. Yes, he drew crowds, but most of them left him by the end. But on the day of Pentecost, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that jumps to thousands. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, through thousands of years, those that genuinely believe in Jesus is in the millions. But the work continues. And so the Holy Spirit is fully God, is fully personal, and is with us and in us as we believe in Jesus. But today's key question I, I want to jump onto is, uh, Hi Sammy, I can see the chat, so I'm waving to you. Hi Sammy, today's key question that I want to jump into is, what does the Holy Spirit do according to Jesus? What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does lots of things. The Apostle Paul talks about the Spirit giving us gifts. The Holy Spirit uh, intercedes for us, Paul says. But today I want to zero in in what does Jesus say the Holy Spirit does here in this passage? And I want us to grab onto three key words. We can't reduce what the Holy Spirit does down to these three words, even within this passage. But today I want to highlight these three words. The Holy Spirit's role is to testify, the Holy Spirit's role is to convict, and the Holy Spirit's role is to guide. To testify, to convict, and to guide. And so this first word, testify, is what Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit doing in verse 25 and 26 of, of uh, sorry, 26 and 27 of John 15. Jesus says, when the Advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. That is, that is one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in the world today is to testify about Jesus, about his identity as the Son of God and the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, about, about his life, what he did in his life, about his death, about his resurrection, about his ascension. The Holy Spirit's role is to testify about Jesus. He's a witness to who Jesus is and what he has done and what that means for us. The Holy Spirit gives testimony, not like we do. The Holy Spirit gives testimony directly into the hearts, minds and spirits of people. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in his letters, uh, in his letter to, uh, second letter to the Corinthian church, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. 
And so what that means is that apart from the testimony of the Holy Spirit in the hearts, in the minds, in the lives, deeply within the person, no one can truly believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's testimony is what takes it from ideas to a deep belief and faith. And so Jesus says that uh, the disciples must testify too. This is not a matter of, of, I guess, sitting on their backside and going, okay, well, we don't have anything to do now. The Holy Spirit will do that for us. He says, you must testify too. And he's speaking to those in the room because he says, because you've been with me from the very beginning. These are the witnesses to Jesus' life. And soon, as the story goes on, to his death, to his resurrection, and to his ascension. And so Jesus is saying that these disciples have a very important, unique role of testifying about all of that. And so we live in the fruit of that today. What we are reading and exploring this morning is the fruit of John's faithfulness to that command. That they would testify about what they'd seen. The Gospels and and the letters that form the New Testament are are the disciples, the early disciples being faithful to that instruction to testify about Jesus. And so what's the bottom line for us though? Because we weren't in the room. the, The bottom line for us remains the same as those early disciples. Though we weren't with him from the beginning, we too must testify This isn't about us just sitting back and letting the Holy Spirit do all the work. See, our role is to share the testimony of those early believers, to take this good news, the Gospels, and share it with the believers, with the non-believers around the world, to give testimony, to share that testimony. But also to share our own testimony of what Jesus has done in our life. We may not with our own eyes witnessed his death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, but but we have witnessed so much of what he's done in our own life in the lives of those around us. We too are called to give testimony. But the thing is, we're not alone in that. We're doing that not in ourselves, in our own strength, but in partnership with the Holy Spirit. The impulse, in fact, to, to testify about Jesus... To, to share with someone about Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit. The bottom line for us is we're called to do our job, to testify about Jesus, and we're called to trust the Holy Spirit to do his job to testify inwardly. We can't do what the Holy Spirit can only do, but we're called to do what we're called to do. And so the Holy Spirit's role in this age is to testify to the world in partnership with Jesus' disciples about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role is also to convict the world. In verse 16, sorry, in verse 8 of John 16, Jesus says, When he comes, that's the Holy Spirit. He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, The Greek word uh, 
for prove wrong here is, is one that's kind of debated about what it really means uh, by a lot of biblical scholars. It, it means to expose fault. It means to uh, convict. It means to show fault. It, it does mean to prove wrong. And, and so there's a lot of debate about the interpretation of that, that, that there's no time for us to wade into this morning. Uh, but what I want us to understand is that, that this isn't an intellectual debate that the Holy Spirit is engaging in here. This is not proving wrong like winning an argument. It's not like the Holy Spirit uh, is, is showing up to debate the world. What Jesus is talking about here is an inner conviction, uh, a personal conviction to the world about sin, righteousness and judgment. A conviction that is aimed at leading to repentance and acceptance of Jesus. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 9 to, to, to unpack a little bit what he's talking about here. He says, the Holy Spirit will convict or prove wrong about sin because people do not believe in me. And so the Holy Spirit convicts the world of its sin. And so the root of sin is rejecting belief in Jesus. That, that is at the heart of sin is rejecting that Jesus is Lord, not believing in him. But the remedy for sin is believing in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And so the, the Holy Spirit convicts the world, convicts us of our sin. In verse 10, Jesus goes on to talk about righteousness. He will... Uh, sorry, he will prove the world wrong or convict the world about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And so, so Jesus is going to the Father and he was the perfect example of righteousness lived out in human flesh. But Jesus is saying, you won't be able to see me anymore. You won't be able to lay eyes on Jesus and see that example of perfect righteousness. And so now the Holy Spirit will take up that role. The Holy Spirit will now convict us of righteousness. And that goes two ways, I believe. It, it's convicting us and the world of our, our empty human efforts at righteousness. God, through the uh, Old Testament prophet Isaiah, said to Israel, all your righteousness is filthy rags. That, that, that the, the human attempts at righteousness, no matter how good they may seem through human eyes, are really just filthy rags. And so the Holy Spirit's role is to convict us of that, but also to convict us of what true righteousness looks like. The, the, the testimony of the New Testament writers is that righteousness comes through faith in Jesus. That he's going to the Father, but, but through belief in him, true righteousness is manifest in us and through us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on in verse 11 to talk about judgment more. The Holy Spirit will convict or, or prove the world wrong about judgment because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. What Jesus is saying here is that, that Satan, the prince of this world, is already condemned. And with him, in a sense, the, the whole world already stands under condemnation. Judgment in this sense, though, though we await the day of Jesus coming again to, to judge the living and the dead, as the scriptures say, in this sense, that verdict has already been given. Those who are apart from Jesus already stand condemned. 
They are already in desperate need of a saviour. And, and so this might seem, uh, on the surface of it, oh, gee, the Holy Spirit's very, very judgy, isn't he? Very, you know, I don't like that word, convicting. I don't think many of us show up to church or, or tune in to a live stream going, oh, I just hope the Holy Spirit really convicts me today of my sin and of my false righteousness and, 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 and that I'm under judgment apart from Jesus. But for us to think that way is really to misunderstand what the Holy Spirit is really doing here. Because for the Holy Spirit to convict is gracious. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is necessary for repentance. Unless we are convicted of our sin, then we we don't fully grasp our need for a saviour. Unless we're convicted of of our false efforts at righteousness and uh, that the only true way to righteousness is through trusting in Jesus, uh, then we won't uh, repent of our efforts and put our trust in him unless we're convicted of the urgency of judgment that isn't just something to come but is something that's already taken place, then we won't put our trust in Jesus and cast ourselves upon him. The convicting work of the Holy Spirit is gracious. For the Holy Spirit to not convict it would be as gracious as not telling someone that they're about to drink a cup of poison. Because we don't want to convict them. It would be just as gracious as, his, as uh, telling someone that smoking was healthy for them. This convicting work of the Holy Spirit is a gracious act to lead the world towards repentance. And so what's the bottom line for us, those that <clears throat> follow Jesus? Well, I want us to notice that Jesus doesn't say, and you also must convict. See, when Jesus says that the role of the Spirit is to testify about Jesus, he, he says to the disciples that, that you must also testify, but he doesn't say that about convicting. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit will convict the world and you disciples must go around convicting everybody as well. Our role is to testify It's not to convict. Now, of course, we are called elsewhere in scriptures to help our brothers and sisters in Christ out of sin, to stretch out a hand and help pull them out of the mire. But it's not our job to convict or condemn. It's our job to point people to Jesus and to trust the Holy Spirit to do that work of convicting people of their need for repentance. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we turn in repentance back to Jesus. We turn from condemnation to salvation. See, Jesus doesn't say either that the Holy Spirit's role is to condemn and shame people for their sin for their righteousness or empty righteousness or judgment. And so if that's what we're feeling, then I would encourage you to believe that that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the prince of this world has jumped on board with that message and said, see, you'll never be good enough. But that's not the message of the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit is to turn us to Jesus and find that we are fully loved and accepted by him when we turn to him. 
And so the Holy Spirit's role is to testify about Jesus, uh, to convict the world so that we would turn to repentance and, and find salvation in him. And the Holy Spirit's role is also to guide. And so we jump down to verses 12 and 13. Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will testify. Sorry, he will tell you what is yet to come. And so Jesus had a lot to say to his disciples that they couldn't bear at this point. They were under a, a lot of mental and emotional stress at this point, and, and so they couldn't take in all that Jesus had to say. And Jesus said, I've got so much I'd like to tell you, but they couldn't take it in, they couldn't process it, because humans have a limited capacity to process information and to discern what is the truth. Especially in stressful circumstances like the one they found themselves in. But Jesus said, don't worry. You don't need to process all of this. You don't need to pass an examination in 10 minutes' time. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And so we might be in that situation this morning. This, this, this sense of we can only take on board so much is very relevant for us right now. Under good circumstances, we can only take in so much. That's about what's happening in the world at the moment, but, it, but it's also uh, about kind of theology. It's also about our understanding of faith. We, we can only process so much. We don't need to store volumes of systematic theology in our head. We don't need to have it all sorted out and, and, and in black and white. Theology is helpful learning to understand God at an intellectual level is, is helpful, but, but Jesus is pointing that out to his disciples here, that, that that's not something that we need to get anxious and stressed about. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. As we open the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will, will guide us into truth. As we, as we pray, the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. The point, the bottom line for us is that the Holy Spirit needs to be our number one guide. Not any other source. If our primary source of guidance in life is Facebook, YouTube, some other website, news.com, if, if we're letting those things guide our life, more than the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, then, then we're listening in the wrong place. The Holy Spirit needs to be our number one guide. And so the Holy Spirit does so much more as we follow Jesus than we could possibly fit in one message this morning. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. Uh, the Holy Spirit does so much. He, he seals God's love in our hearts. But this morning I want us to grab those three words. That the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. That the Holy Spirit will convict to lead us to repentance. And the Holy Spirit will guide us. And so we need so much more of the Holy Spirit in our life.
Not that God hasn't given us the fullness of that, but we need to live more in the fullness of that. Uh, I said that uh, Christianity without the Holy Spirit is like decaffeinated coffee. Well, to be real, it's probably more like bungee jumping without the rope. It's probably more like skydiving without the parachute or driving your car without petrol in the tank. That it is actually a futile exercise and a dangerous one without the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. As Hannah and Rachel come back up to lead us in um, a last song of worship as we reflect on the Holy Spirit, I want to read one final part of that verse. In verse 14, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. And so the Holy Spirit is at work in our worship as well, revealing Jesus to us, glorifying Jesus. And so as we worship, we partner with the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit leads us to worship. And so <clears throat> Hannah and Rachel are going to lead us in a song now that we've sung a little bit in this past season um, called Fresh Wind. And so I want to encourage you again, Carl and I are the only ones that can't sing. You can sing at home. But let this be our prayer in this moment of interruption when the doing of the routines has been cut off, let us turn back to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit and cry out, we need a fresh wind, we need a fresh move. We need a fresh filling. We need our ears to be open afresh to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let this be our prayer as a church this morning that when this season is over of interruption, of separation in a physical sense, that we would come back together re renewed and restored and overflowing in the Holy Spirit. And so that's my prayer this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.